In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you by the players that helped turn the tide and subsequently clinched victory in last night's Iron Bowl. Welcome to episode 27 of the Gospel Friends. I'm Nick. So, was there actual... Was there a number 27? Yeah, Nick Perry, who caught the interception, and then uh, Derek Henry, the running back, who scored the game ceiling touchdown. I'm, I'm David. I'm Chase. I'm Emmanuel. Yeah, I knew when you asked me this afternoon to do the intro what was coming, so... I hope you feel better. I do. Okay. War Eagle to you. Well, tonight right. we're discussing footballism and the church. <laughs> the, uh, the, the big divide between no. Alabama and Auburn fans and how it is spilling <laughs> over into the streets, causing church could riots, probably help et cetera. Them. So we can't talk – we talk too much about football on this show, we're told, and so – and especially Southeastern Conference football. But yesterday was the Iron Bowl, and that's like a sacred holiday in the state. So we, we should be given a reprieve just at least once. I, I took it to one time, and we're a few we're seconds. With it. Can I give you what my intro was going to be before you stole I, it? I, look, that's fine. Okay, it was uh, – Brought to you this week by the number of McDonald's the general visited looking for his Thanksgiving McRib. <laughs> Welcome into episode 27. That's not true. I just looked at two. <laughs> I'm surprised. Were all the McDonald's closed? I don't know. The two I, I visited, um, there's one that's close to me, but yeah. it's in the hood, and so you just never know what you're going to get. Okay. <laughs> the quality is not always, you know, not always, always up there. to snuff. So I go into the white areas where they have... Good McDonald's service, and they were all closed. You just used the word McDonald's and quality in the sentence. Hey, no, but the level there, of there expectation. Are, there, there are different levels yeah. of quality even within McDonald's. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than getting a low-quality pork product sandwich from McDonald's. Exactly. That's what y'all get for ordering time, fancy at McDonald's. The last time I went to my McDonald's, you know, I'm like, this is when the McRib first came back on the scene. I heard about it on Facebook. I didn't know. I went out and got one. I was excited. Opened the box. And there was no barbecue sauce on it. Oh, wow! It, it was those just, things are nasty. It was just the pork like product. Looking. Talk yeah, about you, you had one job. You don't want to see what it looks like without the the barbecue <laughs> sauce. No. You need the sauce. Wow! And I was upset, but I didn't go back. But uh, I had so, a fr- I, so I didn't want to go there. I, they might have been open, but I was I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna risk. Wasn't gonna risk it. We do not want a naked McRib. I wasn't gonna it mix, needs to be you know, dressed. I wasn't gonna risk that. It's yeah. Thanksgiving. It's a special day. I want a high quality pork product. There you go. Which high quality pork? Products. I, we were coming home from our uh, Thanksgiving gathering because I had listened to the show and I saw a big McDonald's sign for. It had a big McRib on it, and I thought, Happy Thanksgiving, the general. But then I found out later they were all closed, and you didn't. You had to settle for a Whopper. On my, yeah, on my way here, I stopped at Jack's, and they have a pork sandwich. It's a fried pork sandwich. Yeah. And it was burned to a crisp. Was it really? Yeah. yeah. So I am like 0 for 2 on uh, pork products this week. Yeah, from fast food restaurants. I don't know why that is. It shouldn't be that hard, right, to get no, quality pork able, at a fast food restaurant? Try Wendy's now. I heard they're selling pork sandwiches there. You yeah, do you know traditionally pork. we consume turkey for Thanksgiving, not pork. Turkey is boring. 
Okay. I was just, you know, making sure. That all depends on the gravy. Oh, we're not having that conversation. You weren't yet. celebrating the wrong No, holiday. we're not talking about gravy. I was ready to. <laughs> That'll come up later for we'll No, Are you bitter talk. about that? Because I was the one that said, I don't know how to make gravy. And you said, I know how to make gravy. But we everybody were, called you out. We were, were joking about it. And people took it seriously. And then they started calling me out. And I, yeah. I don't take cooking jokes no no i could tell you were offended i was i was literally like looking up like okay i can see where that guy lives <laughs> that's awesome you're laughing but i'll see it. my wife's like just let it go it's just grave it's like no I'm yeah when you go. wrote i am not amused i thought i was actually Emmanuel is not amused oh, i need to go find that i missed it so, yeah. so where guys tell tell the audience where can they find happen? this yeah Oh, it happened in the Hall of Dogma, which is the Facebook group where we discuss theological things, where we have lighthearted conversation, where we are kind and civil and humanitarian. Uh, But if you want to join the Hall of Dogma, it's a closed group. It's not closed because uh, we want to keep you out. It's closed because we want, once you join, to have your conversations private. It's It's closed closed. because we discovered that it wasn't. It's not closed closed because we're trying to keep you out. It's closed because we're trying to keep everyone else in. There you go. Yes. Uh, the door goes one way. But you can all you got to do is look up on Facebook, uh, the Hall of Dogma. You can search it, and anybody can let you in in the group. And we would love to have you join us there for conversations about Santa Claus, uh, about uh, cereal in the United Kingdom, conversations about, yes, John MacArthur, and many, many other things. Gravy. There you go. Gravy. Gravy. Uh, and the, uh, the general is the official... Um, name giver in the hall so if you're looking for a superhero name you can go to him he's the unofficial moderator and um just as a tip don't um don't knock on his gravy skills or (laughs) trouble it may be it may be it may be bad we've also got a a twitter that i hear was was hacked um quite unceremoniously yesterday but typically you can find good quality true tweets at my gospel friends on twitter um, I don't know about the hacking. We're still investigating. We may have to file, fire a gospel friend. It wasn't we hacking might. if you have the password and you are allowed on to the You Twitter. say tomato, I say hacking. <laughs> I originally um, own the Twitter. You tell that to all those Hollywood starlets who have their uh, their uh, scantily clad photos leak. <laughs> yes. Okay. You tell that to them, David. People had the, people had the password. Okay. I, I though, own Look, when your password I is owned, fluffy123. I own and, the Twitter. And you, I, I, I let you borrow it for a bit. <laughs> and then he had, gave us a real Twitter. Possession of the password is not necessarily possession of the account. Yes. Well, the great thing about the way we do the Twitter is David often does the morning Twitter work, and I do the evening Twitter work. And it kind of gives us the impression of being there most of the time. And there I like go. that. Uh, we've also got a way to send us voicemails um, domestically, 205-575-9735. Um, if long distance is a problem, even domestically or internationally, we have a speakpipe.com account set up, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. You just go on there and leave us messages as well. So if you'd like to send us some uh, audio feedback, please feel free to do that as well. Fantastic. Guys, what's on tap today? What are we talking about? This is the part where <laughs> – how about how about let me let me let me try that again, David? What what do you got that we're going to be talking about today? Well, see, here's this the thing. Is the time I wish we had a video show. <laughs> here's the thing, Chase. The awkward. Pause. We used to do the on the tap thing when we each brought a segment, but we stopped doing that, and we just have one big segment now. No, well, you're still doing your intro segment. Oh yeah, we're going to do. What were you thinking in just a minute? Okay, good. That sounds awesome. good. Uh, Nick, what are, what are we what are you talking about? <laughs> 
<laughs> I will be talking about the Hall of Dogma like we've always said. No, um, we've got a, we had a lot of good discussion in the Hall of Dogma. We'll be highlighting a couple of things that occurred in there and um, facilitating a few of those discussions as well. So, Excellent. And Emmanuel, what do you think you're going to be talking about today? Well, apparently I'm giving holiday survival tips. Excellent. That is <laughs> According pres- to the show notes. That is precisely what we need from you. We are also going to be talking about race and the church in light of the Ferguson discussion. We will uh, steer mostly away from Ferguson. That has been talked to death. But we are going to talk about how well the church in the South in particular, but really all over, is doing on uh, the race issue. So I think it's going to be a great show. Looking forward to that. Awesome, guys. Well, um, we're going to uh, going to move into uh, the uh, what were you thinking? I have a few stories today uh, from uh, all over the globe as normal, and I thought that we would start in uh, Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania. Uh, Wait a minute, what are you doing? You have your iPhone out and your computer. Is one not adequate? Is it is it not okay for me to have two electronic devices at one time? It's kind of weird. Well, I, I have a story on my very large iPhone that I would like to read. So I'm okay. using it right now. It's and then the I'm going to move to my computer. computer. Fair enough. It is. Does your it is. computer not have tabbed browsing? Anyway, back to Wilkesboro, Pennsylvania, where a uh, Thanksgiving story happened. Fantastic. Um, Police say a Pennsylvania woman chased her boyfriend around a dining room and stabbed him in the chest because he started eating Thanksgiving dinner early. <laughs> That's a great Thanksgiving story. Now, I know that Emmanuel doesn't, doesn't really understand much about Thanksgiving tradition since he sits at home and uh, eats McRibs. Yeah. Not this year. But you don't want to be the guy who goes in and starts picking from the food before it's ready. I mean... Well, I didn't know that was a capital offense. Uh, well, apparently uh, in Pennsylvania, it can be. Uh, I, I was going to say, I don't know that it's to that degree. Like, I, I have I have a time or two went in and, and picked some of the little fried onions off the green bean casserole mm, a tad, yep. you know, tad early right out of the oven. That's not right. But I've never been attacked by my grandma over it with a with a knife or anything. That's because she didn't see you. It was the grandma. No, it, I'm just I saying. It was the girlfriend. Close. It was the girlfriend in this story. I'm just saying. It, though, okay. if she's being well, chased. Well, look, if your girlfriend catches you uh, messing with the food, I'm pretty sure your wife will stab you. In yeah, I was going to say. Well, I was going to say if, if 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 my girlfriend is is mad at me about um, how early I'm eating the Thanksgiving meal, I've got bigger issues. Like, like, did it kill the guy? I mean, stabbing somebody in the chest is... No, he was hospitalized with uh, non-life-threatening uh, injuries. Okay. So, uh, surprisingly enough, um, he started eating it early. He was actually impatient uh, waiting on his girlfriend, who was still sleeping off a bender from the night before. So, Wow. I know that's a little shocking. That is a little it's shocking. Nice. But, um, you know, I, I think it's important at Thanksgiving that you wait your turn in line to eat. I also think that you choose your mates carefully. Yes. I think it's important at Thanksgiving that you don't stab your boyfriend in the chest. They'll be back together. They were probably together as soon as he got out of, out of the hospital. That's, you know. Whatever you say, Dave. I'm just saying. They, they probably didn't break up over that. That's not even going to come up in premarital counseling. No, nah, they probably they were probably used to it. Yeah. Gosh, I hope not. Lima, Peru, suffering from stress. I've been to Lima, Peru. Not feeling intimate. High in the Andes Mountains, some locals believe putting frogs in the blender is the answer. Oh, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, there is no scientific evidence to confirm. Uh, look, I just got Nick's attention. He actually he was asleep during the first one. 
But now he's uh, the aphrodisiac conversation has got him. Yeah, he just put his smoking jacket on, got his yep. pipe, and he's he is ready he is roll. all ears. He's in the game. All right, <laughs> looks like I've tried everything. Okay. <laughs> Now, is this something – there is every, nothing that I can say here that is safe. Okay, Are so, you going to tell us if you eat the yeah. frogs in the blender or, or yeah. well, he's bathe just, in them? Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to give it okay. to you. But, I don't want to take Nick, away your story. Just the sheer thrill of blending frogs. Unfortunately, there is no scientific evidence confirming Not the medicinal benefits from frog juice. However, oh. <laughs> the Peruvians – uh, use the uh, a species of water frog, um, and uh, they believe that it can actually help with several issues. Entire frogs are the main ingredient in a juice blend that people in Peru and Bolivia believe Entire. can cure asthma, bronchitis, sluggishness, and low marital fruit drive. What? <laughs> LMFT? <laughs> LMFT is the top problem, I understand, that counselors are dealing with in this day and age in marriages, is it not? Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's LMFD a is a real big marital problem. fruit. <laughs> Low marital You've fruit never drive. heard of it, – it is, it is the uh, fruit that you should only partake of if you're married. Well, that's true. But oh. low marital fruit is devastating. That sounds like a Sign bad me up. Christian commercial. To make, <laughs> we've got to make, we've got to make this commercial. Now there's Next actually. TV. Are you suffering from low marital fruit? <laughs> if so, that means you're a married man. Oh wow! That's adding a little Zing. dose of reality to the my wife opening segment. Listen. My wife didn't listen to the show. Okay, okay so there, there's uh, there's no there's apparently food stands in in places like Peru's capital uh, where they will take frogs from small aquariums, whack them on the head until they're dead. Then they peel the skin off, put the frog in a blender with carrots. And uh, along with some uh, maca root and honey, gotta have that vitamin A. And then, uh, and then it comes out as some juice right there, used Ooh. for, like I said, amenia, uh, anemia, bronchitis. It's good for the bones, the brain, fatigue, stress, um, and uh, respiratory issues, tuberculosis. It's got to be a pretty intense blender if it chops up the. Oh, well, they, they went bald. They went one of those ninjas from yeah. one of those from like Mix or uh, yeah. ninjas. Yeah, this is not a ninety nine. It, it's not my Hamilton Beach. No, yeah, yeah. exactly. Is this for the it's man or the woman? By the way, uh, oh, apparently no. it's good for everybody. It's it's even good for children, uh, not for the the, the low marital <laughs> oh. fruit, but for children okay. that have um, uh, respiratory issues, also for older people. Apparently, it just it covers everything. You know, I love me some Peruvians, but uh, color me skeptical here. This just sounds like you know Doctor Martin's snake oil or whatever. So, if you and Janet were strolling the streets of Peru, yep, you wouldn't just say, "Hey, I have a hey, policy, honey. David, that I'll try anything once, but um, I I just don't know about frog juice." I suppose you buy it and give her a glass. Yeah, that would be difficult to. How are you about to. oils, Chase? You believe in oils? Don't answer that. It might be controversial. That might be very controversial. I will tell you this, Emmanuel. True story. This morning, I was desperate enough that I mixed up some oils, which we do actually have. And I used the word desperate, and I I rubbed them on my stomach to see if it would make it stop hurting. And it did not. So I am not an oily believer. You probably got the wrong. Did you say you're not an oily believer? Well, I mean, I don't know what you would call that. But I have many friends that are, and I can respect that. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, look I at the, that because they're my people. Here's the picture of the the little kids picking out the frogs from the aquarium. 
before they get their frog juice. Yeah, it's, they just want to see something blended up. I think if Alice and I, really... if Alice and I went to Peru, we might, I might, uh, might try that. Well, you let us know how that goes. I'm just saying. She, she probably, there are she so many things to say right now. I mean, you don't need works. to. You don't need to say anything. You need to say there. Nick's trying to figure out if he can blend blend up a frog before he heads in here for the next show to introduce <laughs> introduce the Twitter. <laughs> well, somebody somebody needs to try this. Somebody there in the is audience, a real somebody chance in this we room. need a fourth host next week. So, how <laughs> many Peruvian listeners do you have? Do you, do you know? Not, uh, many. not many. They saw them, but not many. Let's wrap up, guys, from uh, pretty much anywhere. Actually, for this last one, I actually I'm doing this for the Emmanuel for the Emmanuel <laughs> for the general. For the Emmanuel. I like, I like, the, I like Emmanuel. the Emmanuel. It sounds regal. For the Emmanuel, because uh, I know you're a gamer, so you're a gamer, and this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting artif- article for gamers. Bloodsport is a new immersive gaming system that oh, takes some of your blood nasty. whenever you die in a video game. Bloodsport. Uh, what? Yeah, it's, a new, a, it's pretty interesting. It's also it's, a it's Jean-Claude a, Van Damme movie. This which, is a new, uh, different. Which is awesome. I watched back in the day. It is a new gaming system that is set to revolutionize the way we donate blood. Uh, while traditional blood donation methods can be draining, to say the <laughs> least, the makers of Bloodsport have designed a fun process that involves playing video games. So basically the way this works, and I'm not uh, not a gamer because you know, we just have a, a – a Wii. Yeah, and, you're definitely out of game. Not a game. That's all you have is a Wii. So uh, on some of the games, when you get when you get killed, your controller will vibrate. That's mm-hmm. correct. Okay. Well, this system is um, you, you go into a go into a you know a facility and you play video games. They actually put an IV in your arm mm. and you begin to play one of the role playing games. Every time you get killed, it draws some blood from your arm what? and puts it into the bag. Until it's drawn uh, the adequate amount for you to give blood. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> get in the game of Call of Duty, man. You can be out there in five minutes. Just That's be out right. there a couple minutes. Look, it just depends on if you're good or not. Yeah. So apparently it is, uh, it's kind of a way to uh, get uh, maybe more interest in donating blood. Well, I mean, I think donating blood is good. Uh, I do see, however, David, that uh, it, it appears that Kickstarter has suspended funding of uh, Bloodsport as of today. That article is posted today. Are you serious? Yes. What happened? Because it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I like the idea. Here's the thing. I, I used to be a blood donor, and this is going to show you how uh, depraved I am. But then they oh, moved the donation place from a convenient location about five to eight minutes away from me. To a non-convenient location, about twenty minutes away from me. Yeah, haven't yeah. given blood since. Oh dear, they actually. And, and I'm type O positive, which is like the universal your universal donor. Yeah. So they always, you know, they always I, want you to. And donate. I always got upset because look, I'm o, I'm O positive. I'm universal. Treat me with some respect. <laughs> <laughs> so when I come in, you, you know, you want I, the royal treatment. Yes, I want I want velvet ropes to part. I want my own chair. <laughs> but they don't. They make me wait. Mm. It's like, do you know who I am? They actually come to our office. They actually come to our office, and um, that really helps out your. uh, At least one of the at least one of the hosts on the the on this podcast doesn't give, even though they come to our office. Do you give, Nick? I do. Well, I guess that would be me. You don't get blood. No. As soon as they figure out a way to take it without needles, I will donate. Are you really scared of needles? Really? I'm not scared of needles. Like I'll go get a shot and stuff, but I just like. Sign me up to have so a needle So you're not stuck man enough to watch somebody stick a needle in your arm. 
Okay. Look, I always watch with it with no express. It, it is a success to me if I can watch any sort of shot or cut or procedure I get with absolutely no expression on my face. So that's what you try to do. That's what I do. Try to man up. No, no, it's not what I try to do. It's what I. Oh, do. that's what you do. That's right. You, you man up. Same went through a season of life where I had to get, I had to have blood drawn a lot for medical tests and stuff. Yes. And I never had to watch them stab me, but I just got so used to. It. I'd be like, if you try right there, you're gonna have mm-hmm. better luck. She'd turn my arm. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yep. And she'd be like, oh, I can't. Yes, I know. Stick me right there. You will all be. Listen to me. Yeah. I used to let my nursing student girlfriend practice on me so she could. Okay, now you're weird. It is a little weird. It's not weird. It's true love. I'm just not afraid of needles. I have a high pain threshold. I just, it's just blood. Look, I, I got over it, but like I don't know that I would let somebody practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not afraid of needles either. She was, but she, just she, uh, getting stuck for nothing. But. She's, she's, she was good though. She's a good nurse. Well, that's uh, it for today. And what were you thinking? Mercifully, it is over. Yeah, Chase. We'll start asking what you were thinking. Could I get you to make some eye contact with me? I'm going to try to give you a cue. Okay. Is it time to play the game? It is. This is where the music's playing. Okay. I don't think you're supposed to talk here. Oh, are we supposed to be quiet? <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. I can silence you later. Dun dun dun. So are we done? You can't be. Okay. I can oh. make it however last however long we need to. All right. So I've got the game this time. I hope it's not more hard biblical trivia that makes us all look like morons. No, I, I strayed as far from biblical trivia as I could. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I wonder what that will be. <laughs> and uh, Are we going to Peru? No, we're not going to Peru. <laughs> Zing. And so dun, dun, dun. out of the four of us, I think it's safe to say that I have the most street cred. But this game, no, no. this game, I have is, the most street cred. You're right. I grew up in Mountain Brook. Yeah, <laughs> son, on a street. Now, the fact that you're a son of a pastor does give you some street cred. No, no, my dad's an attorney. Oh, so you're, an, you're an attorney. Yeah. Who had the pastor dad? Kind of the opposite of a. My dad was Ooh. cop. I'm thinking about somebody else. Yeah, it's not a. I probably don't have much street cred with a cop for a father. I so, heard he had some interesting attire he dressed in. Though. They called me the Brookie Brawler, where I came from. <laughs> oh, my. You take that back. I, I did not buy this shirt on sale. My, dad, my dad will sue you. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever say that? No. I let my fists do my talking. <laughs> did you wave your fist as you said my yes. dad will sue you? Or that, that, you know, I would ride up on my polo horse and hit him with that little whatever thing that is. Oh, little my mouse God. You say yeah. one more thing about Ralph Lauren, and it is on. He's a quintessential American designer. Yes, And he I is. won't have you besmirch his name. I will slap you again with my gloves across your face. So oh this, this game is, is, is uh, to test your geek cred. Oh, All right. Wow. I've, so I've, I've been better off with street cred. Yeah, you know you wouldn't. You're not geeky. This is going. This is going to be a bunch of Android this questions. Is Fourteen questions. Oh boy. Which should be general, general knowledge to any uh, geeky individual. Which I'm going to get fired from work tomorrow for this. Different levels of geek. Is this open Google? No, no. It, it shouldn't require Google. <laughs> open. Just for the record, we have two IT professionals here. That work for a Fortune 500 company. One is a legitimate IT person. One is like the girl who manages IT people in the BBC uh, show IT crowd. And nobody respects them as an IT person. That's, That's right. The, but she still wanted to start. The 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 internet know who I am. I'm not saying who's who. I'm just saying. Yeah. Anywho. So we're going to start with uh, 
Let's start with Nick. Oh boy. And make it some cred back. Here's the thing. Each point, each question is one one uh, worth one point, and if you don't get it, one of you guys can steal. Can we do? Do we just answer, or do we have to raise our hand? First come, first serve. All right. First question to Nick: Who was the creator of Star Trek? Gene Roddenberry. Nick's on the board with one point. This is for David. USB is an acronym for what? What? USB (laughs) is an acronym for what? Spell it again. USB? <laughs> um, universal System Barometer. Universal Serial Bus. That is correct. Your hand does, means nothing. I, I wasn't going to step over him, but I knew he wasn't going to get it. Yeah, I did too. That's why I said. That was very disappointing. Did you know it? Yeah. Yes, I, he knew it. I, I thought everybody That's why I that. blurted. These are, these are questions from my own brain. I didn't try to look up any questions. I thought that you know this would be a good barometer. So From the mind of the general. I know where you put the USB. <laughs> that sounds like a great title right there. <laughs> a little, uh, yeah. I don't know, iTunes might give that yeah. a down rating. But... After you drink some of that frog juice, why don't you... Uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Question number three. Yes. When asked who your favorite comic book character is... The correct response is <laughs> for me. For, no, for any self-respecting uh, geek. When oh asked my. who your favorite comic book character, these may be fighting words. The correct response is Wolverine. That is incorrect. Iron Man. That is incorrect. He's looking for Batman. You're looking for Batman. No, really. The correct answer is which universe? Oh, oh, there you go. Good call. Some of these are a little tough because you because I can't <laughs> have all I like that. that. I like funny. that. That is the correct response. That is the correct universe. response. Uh, two universes being what, David? Uh, Marvel and DC. There you go. Good Ooh. job. What does DC stand for? District of Columbia. <laughs> That's it. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. I love how it's not even David's question and the audience is all face palmed. <laughs> Nick, on the periodic table, what is the chemical symbol for iron? It's sodium. It's not as simple as IR. No. Oh, shoot. IE. I don't, I actually don't know. I can't Fee. think of it. Fee. That is correct. Chase with a steal. Did you know that? Well, I mean, <laughs> from the Latin, I didn't cheat. He just got it right. From the Latin ferrum, ferris. which we get ferris. Okay, David. Uh, Did you know right away is what I meant, or did you have to think about it? So, I am I the only one who has the periodic table semi-memorized from? It's been a long right? time since I have cared okay. about that album. Sorry, to my say. wife can can rattle it off like that. Yeah. All right, David. <laughs> I'm sorry this question fell to you again. <laughs> Ram. <laughs> RAM is an acronym for, and I'm talking about computer RAM, is an acronym for? Random Access Memory. Oh, oh, my gosh. It is like somebody tried to kick a long field goal, and you snatched it up and ran it back 110 yards. Nine. Well done. What does ROM stand for? Just... You know what ROM is? Why are you Why are you looking at me? I'm just I'm curious. The, I was shocked by you getting RAM right. I just want to know. You, did you I don't know actually know what ROM is. Read only. Ah, yeah, I do. All right. Uh, good job, uh, Chase. Yes. This video game released in '93 is credited with starting the first-person shooter craze. What Ooh. is Doom? Doom is correct. Oh, Boom. Dang. 
side bit of trivia. My wife has dims. Does anybody know what dims is? I don't know dims. Dims is what they used to call back in the day uh, doom-induced motion sickness. Oh. It is the disease people – the, the nausea people, some people get oh, when they no. watch first-person shooters. So really? can she even yeah. play them? Or does she it make cannot it? watch wow. it. She can't play it. It makes her nauseous. How about that? Watching my wife dims. play Halo used to give me that. Yep. Dims. Thanks for that tidbit. You Watching go. your wife play? So your wife plays Halo? She used to, yeah. We That's used to, we dude, at the, at we used the, to get together at my apartment and have LAN parties with all my friends. At the Marsh home, okay, How they did have... We meet so late in life? Like, listen... <laughs> that is totally street, by it, the way. There is a man cave and a woman cave. Oh, really? Yes. The woman, how many kids? The woman cave is being uh, co-opted, though, Uh-oh. for an addition, so it is... Man cave still intact. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I knew about the addition. I just wasn't. All right, it. Nick. <laughs> oh, I got this alien problems. civilization, prominently featured on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, was overly concerned with making profit. Oh, uh, Quark, Fringy. Dang. Fringy is correct. Y'all are geeks. Seriously, no one would hang out with y'all. <laughs> Follow-up <laughs> question for David. <laughs> How just, many? Put an X on it and move on. <laughs> I, I, I'll take a shot. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about their... Uh, no, go ahead. I think it was laws of acquisition. Okay. How, Is many, it, are how many? Yeah. Uh, three. 39 uh, laws of acquisition for the Ferengis. Oh, I wouldn't have known that. I don't think I would have known that either. Was that really my question? No, that's not your question. Okay, I was good. just curious if you no, knew it. No. David, this computer game taught you how to ford a river. Taught you how to what? Ford a river. Ford a River, uh, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail wow. is correct. Oregon Trail was one of my favorites. Wow. I also taught you about you have diarrhea, dysentery, yes, dysentery. <laughs> you have, have y'all seen the meme on Twitter where it says guys killed and uh, Terry sitting over yeah. him, standing over him. He's like, you, you died from dysentery. Dysentery. Yes, yes. I posted that picture many Did years you? ago. Okay. It was one of the funniest funny. things I've seen. Chase. Yes. Captain America's shield is made of what metal? Vibranium. Vibranium is correct. Mm. Boom time. Nick? Not adamantium. Nope. The is original floppy disk were eight inches, but the second iteration were this size. Oh. They were, oh, shoot. Was it 6.25? That is not correct. Five and a quarter. That is correct. 5.2 inch floppy, baby. Chase with the steel, he's got five points. Nick has two. David has. I'm younger two. than y'all, so I don't have to use floppy disks. I, I, I realized to, that when I, was I like, used to have floppy disks. I used to have was. the three. Was it the next one? Was the three, three and a quarter? Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah, three Those are the ones I remember using. But it was when I took computer in high school. We had we used MS DOS with the five point two floppies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we. That's what we played our Oregon Trail on. See, we had zip drives were just. Uh, I remember zip drives. Zip drives, wow. That was fun. Oh, and I was, look, I was big stuff because I had a zip drive. Like, uh, do you still have one? Because the Hall of Dogma Church has a bunch of documents (laughs) on zip drive and we can't, we cannot find a, uh, you don't remember this story? Can I get a point for this? I've already got the documents off using my zip drive. I got it back then. I didn't know that. Well, good job. There you go. You're a hero. I wonder what, what you found. Anything interesting? (sighs) No. It was just really old financial crap. Well, that's boring. (laughs) I was hoping for, like, the key to the Holy Grail or something. All right. Here's some natural science for you, David. No computer science, though, so it should be good. Name three parts of a flower. <laughs> Golly, let's see. The, um, the, um, the, 
Um, the part the bee lands in, <laughs> where the awesome. pollen is. The petal. Petal is one. Okay. The stem. Stem is two. <laughs> Leaves. That is correct. Yes. Wow. I will, I will, I will accept that. I would have also accepted uh, pistis, stamen. Uh, that's that, what, I, that's what I was trying to think of. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll take leave. I'm going to Google what I was going to say because I think it was a bad word. <laughs> yep. You've got to be careful talking about the official names of the parts of the flower. Okay. Okay. Chase. <laughs> yes. A Jedi apprentice is called a what? Padawan. A Padawan is correct. Oh, good times. All right. Nikolai. In Star Trek, The Next Generation, when Captain Picard gives an order, he says... Make it so. Make it so is correct. Which is your favorite uh, Star Trek captain, by the way? Picard, easily. What about you, Nick? See, I'm, I'm Picard, too, because of I grew up more with Next Generation. Although, I respect I respect Kirk, because he was just way pimpish. He was. And pimping ain't yeah. easy. No. Who is your favorite, David? He had mad game. Uh yeah, I, Picard was who I kind of grew yeah. up on. Look, there's only one answer to that question, and the answer is Picard. Although I didn't like the show. Look, his much. face also with Q, him oh, as Locus yeah. coming back. Yep. Just, I actually just brilliant. liked him because his uniform was sharper than Shatner's. Yeah. Shatner's looked like pajamas. You know, they, they, they approached Patrick Stewart to play Professor Xavier, and he had no idea who Professor Xavier was. They showed him a comic book, and he kind of laughed and said, how is it that I'm in this comic book? Because, you know, he looks so much yes, like he, he was really astonished by that. This is called easy casting right there. You know? There you go. Yep. Yeah. And, it, and it worked. You know, it, it worked. It worked He's well. He's a great Professor X. Yes, he is. All right. Last question is for David. It's another computer question. I'm sorry. LAN is an acronym for? LAN? LAN, L-A-N. Local Area Network. Oh, wow. my. David has really David. done really well. Oh, my gosh. Let all your coworkers listen to this podcast. <laughs> there you go, man. You've, uh, yeah, you've kind of gained back some of your cred there. Yes. So the final score was, uh, I think Nick had four. Chase... Five, David four, Nick four. So Chase is the winner. It was a close game. It was a close game. I had added uh, Nick's point to yours one time, but I realized the mistake. So that was a good job, guys. See, I still say you robbed me on USB. You had your hand up, and we had already established the rules. It just jump in. I just didn't like the rule. I told you guys at the beginning, I'm street. I know how to, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah. dirty hand these games. Mess I'm street. I'm telling you what, you best believe. Well, wait a minute. Did, you, did, did your dad pay Nick to throw the game and let you win? No, he didn't have to. He threatened his parents with uh, being sued if he won the game. That's how we roll in yeah. the hood. That is awesome. The Thompson Hood. We're going to sue you for everything right. you're worth. That's right, and it works. All right, fellas. I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about race and the church. A scary topic, but an important topic. Uh, as everybody knows, um, the Ferguson riots and, and decision and the, the shooting of Michael Brown has dominated the news cycle over the last few weeks. Uh, I thought we'd start off this way. If you have a comment on the whole Ferguson situation, we'll go around the table and, and give everybody, I don't know, 90 seconds or so. That's not the main focus, but this is kind of just getting us into the discussion. Emmanuel, I'll start with you, Nick, and then David. We'll kind of go that direction if you have a comment about the ferguson situation um why don't you throw it out there 
Uh, I thought that the grand jury did the right thing. I, I did not think the officer was guilty. Um, whether you like the way they uh, reached it, whether you like the prosecutor's conduct or not, I, I still think that that the officer did. Uh, he acted within his rights um, as far as just the case goes. Um, I don't think the coverage was particularly good on it. And I think that's what really caused most of the unrest was just coverage kind of designed to do that. Um, but I think the, the right, I thought he got a fair shake, um, which I was worried that he wouldn't because people were going to bend to the pressure of, well, if we don't get this right, people are going to riot. So so you would disagree with Tabidi that? Yeah, I, I read it. I read his, his take on it. I was uh, underwhelmed. Okay. Good. That, that brings us to you, Nick. Well, you got a few opening comments on the whole Ferguson situation. Um, with with all the coverage I've seen of it, 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 it's another one of the situations to me where all of my friends on social media that I would label conservative have run to the far right of, of their mindset, and all my friends I would label liberal have run to the far left, and no one can have a, a, a conversation um, that, that can see any of the other person's side. Um, and that, that once again, saddens me and frustrates me. I, I you know, I hate that a young man's dead. Um, I, I don't know enough. I have not dug into the research like I'd like to. And it's kind of what we were ta- talking in show prep. It's just, you know, th- there seems to be a narrative that the media wants to have out there. And if it doesn't follow along with that, it's hard to find anything else. And I just, it makes me, leery to have a thought on the situation itself other than the aftermath and what I see our country doing to itself makes me very sad. I think it's good comments. The polarization uh, of these kind of issues that you really see on social media, I think, I mean, I've seen a lot of Christians come at this from both sides, get into arguments and things like that, because some of them kind of take it from the right perspective and the left perspective. And I don't think that serves the body of Christ very well. I don't think it serves the country very well either to have such polarization as we do now. Um, there's got to be more nuance to these political issues. So that's a good opening comment. Over to you, David. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think there are two people who really know what happened in that moment, and that was the officer and, and then uh, Michael Brown and, um, you know, of course, you know, sadly, he, he's he's not here. Um, I, I think there were some eyewitnesses or some people who, who claimed they saw things, but, but what I heard at the beginning uh, of, of things that they saw was later disproving. Because I think there were some people that came out and said he was, you know, they shot him in the back as he was running away. Yeah, that was his friend who was there. Who, so was, who said it. He has skin in the game. Okay. Well, an, an autopsy showed mm-hmm. that that was not true. Uh, and that's, that's kind of my point. It's like we, you know, I think we can all take educated guesses. I mean, I can look at the situation and say, you know, it, according to the officer, the guy was very defiant and was acting very defiant. And from what we know, just moments earlier, he is on video um, robbing a convenience store in a very defiant, bullying manner. So it's not out of the realm of my thinking that just a few moments down the road, he was still being defiant. But I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. My dad was a police officer. Uh, I think my dad was a good cop. But I also think there were a lot of bad cops. And my dad said there were 
bad cops, and there were guys who did not need to be police officers. So I, I don't automatically think cops are always right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is that there were you know, a, a handful of people who saw all the evidence, who looked at it for X number of days, and that this was the conclusion they reached, which was the officer acted within his rights. And so based on that, you know, that's all I can say is uh, the people who've seen the evidence said he acted within his rights. And I would have said that if they'd come back with the, the different conclusion, because ultimately at the end of the day, none of us really know what happened. No one who is on social media commenting on this actually knows what happened. I mean, we don't. And we've not seen or heard all the evidence either. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm going with the hope that the people who looked at the evidence got it right. Okay, good. Good comments. Uh, I'm going to have a follow-up question to you, Emmanuel, on this this issue. I mean, just for those that are listening, three of us are white guys. One of us is an African-American guy. We don't bring Emmanuel on the show because of that, although his opinion and his viewpoints in this particular issue, I think, are very uh, apropos. So I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of direct this to you, this question to you, Emmanuel, and then Nick and David, you guys can chime in as well. In this situation where, as David said, None of us know exactly what happened. How careful should I as a white man or any white person be in coming out on social media and unquestionably and passionately supporting the police officer in this case? Is that dangerous? Uh, I don't know if dangerous is the word. Unwise, I mean. It could be. It's definitely typical. Um, white people usually have a, a a greater respect and trust of policemen that we don't that black people don't have. So they see Michael Brown and they say, "Well, he's a thug," because you know. And so, if he's a thug, he deserves to get shot. And black people say, "Well, look, the police officer he might have been doing his job, but why did he stop him in the first place? Um, did it?" Did it have to really come down to that? Was there not, not another way to solve the situation? Um, and it's just because we're coming from different viewpoints. Um, I heard, I saw people on my Facebook Facebook page uh, who purport to be Christians, and they were just like, you know, calling people animals and stuff like that. And a lot of it was just kind of this vitriol. Yeah. And... It, it, there are certain things that you can always predict the white response on, and this is this kind of thing: cops versus young black kid. It's it's easy. Um, uh, what's another one? I think we call that the Mountain Brook Street response. There you go. And, you know, <laughs> pony up. Unless unless they're like a liberal, and then the response is, I, I don't need to know the facts. It's just the cop was wrong because I'm trying to earn liberal brownie points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, or one of the things I miss about Larry Langford, the former mayor of Birmingham, is Larry Langford brought the hate out of white people like nobody else. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Just any article that you mentions Larry Langford, and, they, and you just just read it, and it was just awesome. So Larry Langford brought it out of people. Uh, cocky athletes, cocky black athletes, will bring it out of people. Um, Richard Sherman, et cetera. Oh, man. I actually saved a whole bunch of Facebook Facebook uh, posts. I actually find Richard Sherman very amusing. I love Richard Sherman. I think he's hilarious. Mainly because he, because he strikes the ire of so many people. Yeah. But I saved a whole bunch of Facebook posts. And you would not believe the people was 
they don't even know the guy. And it's just like, act like you've been there. And that was the tame stuff. The, the nasty stuff was, you know, Richard Sherman's a thug, which is, it's, which is a code word now, I think, for, for a, a racial slur. And they were just calling this guy all kinds of names. They don't even know him. And it's like, well, he shouldn't do that. And what they really mean is, I'm going to need you to act like a well-behaved white person. Mm. Act like we want you to act. But that's not how black people are. If I beat you at something, you're going to know. <laughs> if I don't beat you at something, you're still going to know. It's just, you know. It's so in winning the game today, I failed at, at increasing my street cred by not rubbing it in. Nick oh, you've won every game that I've, that I've, when I've been here. And you, you always win with such dignity and grace. But what you should have done was said, you know. What the audio listeners just missed was David throwing something at In you. your face, David. Yeah. My superior intellect strikes again. You might want to bring like a better, you know, something next time. <laughs> if you're going to come into my neighborhood. Yeah. With Don't this. bring that weak stuff in here, McConnell. Daddy. I will swat it down. Yeah. Well, you're teaching me a lot. That's, that's, that's good. Daddy polo horse. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Good stuff. I, I will say, along the lines of your more serious comments, there were quite a few posts I saw on Facebook from white friends that I thought, you know, I, I, I detect some racism here, some uh, maybe subtle in some cases, maybe incredibly overt in other cases. Oh, yeah. There were other people that just totally, you know, they're going to blindly support cops because, you know, they're married to a cop or, 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 or they, you know, their dad was a cop, something like that. I get that a little more than I get racism. I, I'm not crazy about either one. But um, so I, I'm assuming you see subtle and unsubtle evidences of racism frequently on social media. Yeah. And, and I don't even, I, and here's the thing. I don't think all of it is, is, I don't think that people know where it's coming from. So I don't think people know that that's what it is, it's kind of like, but they're reacting to it, but they didn't really know that that's, that's why they're so, uh, you know. So here, here's a few of the comments. Oh. Um, Sherman is a thug. Thought they would have taught him better at Sanford. Oh, yeah, he played for Harbaugh. It reminds me of Pac-Man Jones, pure thug. You can notice that. Uh, there's no excuse for that mess. They should have just talked to Russell Wilson. He has class. See, class is uh, is is a is a code word for act Actually like, like white, white people. people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classy guy that Richard Sherman. I hope Peyton lights him up like a pinball machine. Yeah, that which didn't out. happen. <laughs> uh, that was classy. What the ghetto hell was that? Uh, what a self-centered idiot. What a jerk. Uh, some yeah, stuff I, I, I can't say on these airways. Like you uh, swearing expression. Yeah. What the ghetto? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That'll really increase my street credit in church gatherings and stuff. If I like, if somebody brings something nasty to a covered dish supper, and, and I look like, at them and say, "What the ghetto is that? Yeah. Get that stuff out of here!" Then people will know that. Actually, if you knocked in the floor when you said that, I'll do that. What the ghetto. Yes. Oh my goodness. And okay. so, and so, when people don't realize how it comes across when when other people are reading it, or maybe they do realize. And, and these and this and a lot of stuff comes from people who I don't really think have a malicious bone in their body, but there's something there, and, and also how the media covers things. So, for instance, if a black player holds out, then he's greedy, and he's not a team guy. If mm-hmm. a white player holds out, he's a businessman. He's crafty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if a black guy makes a great play and jumps around, 
well, he's arrogant and he's showing off. If a white player does, he's just so passionate. You know, he's just, he's just, you know, he's a winner and he just wants it so bad. And just little stuff like that that you notice how people, uh, you know. And here's, I also save a clip from Richard Sherman's Wikipedia page. They changed his Wikipedia page and says, Richard Sherman is a piece of human garbage. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Yeah, all because he was just talking a little smack on a football field. Hadn't they seen him in those commercials with his mom? I mean, yeah. Well, I heard he's Howie, a nice guy. Yeah, Howie Long, uh, former defensive end for the Raiders. I think he's a Fox News commentator. He was talking about Sherman this week and talked about how in person, great guy, very, uh, very engaging, very intelligent. Uh, but you know, he obviously has uh, a way to push people's buttons. Yeah. Uh, but Howie was was very impressed with him. His sport. Yes. All right. Yeah. So here, here's a because I was curious when you said it a moment ago. This is a. Um, so this is a definition of racism in terms of um i don't actually um know if this is from a great reputable site but uh the belief that all members of each race possess characteristics or abilities specific to that race especially as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races so yeah the idea that all right this race everybody is like this they all have this characteristic, and that makes them either superior or inferior to my race or other races. That's interesting. So so does that mean that it is racism to think that, generally speaking, uh, some races are better and worse at things than other races? Is that racism? No. So in other words uh, – According to that article, it's partially racism that where you – Well – Go ahead. You, Sorry. <laughs> It's the it's the superiority or inferiority. Yeah, and that could just be a stereotype. <laughs> because if oh. you look at one race and think you guys are, you go pro con list, and you look at another race and go pro con list, and to me that's not as problematic if, unless you go race one con list, race two con list, my race pro list. To me, that's that's what I think of, and when I hear somebody says say racism um realizing that emmanuel and mine's approach to the world is going to be different because i'm a white dude and he's a black dude i don't understand how that's racism um i i felt i got weirded out by myself because there was a guy um my son uh he plays soccer he plays u6 soccer and there's a young man who um does team coaching with them and um, I was trying to distinguish him from some of the other coaches and I went the not white dude because he's I'm not sure if he's Hispanic Puerto Rican um, he's not black he looks Hispanic but I wasn't sure if he was and I know within kind of his at large Hispanic cultures you can make some people real kinds of mad if you get the wrong one and yeah, so absolutely yeah. it wasn't black it wasn't you know i wasn't trying to be if i didn't know how to distinguish but the person kind of looked at me like you said that i'm like what i wasn't saying you know anything bad yeah. about the dude i was just trying to and and then all of a sudden i went to somebody that was a really racist statement but it wasn't you know superiority or inferiority it was just a descriptor mm-hmm. yeah. and and here in the south we can't even use descriptors without them being well negative. The everybody doesn't use descriptor the same way it, and, and that is, thing. and that's what I realized. the The person I was speaking to went, and, yeah. and I was just trying to describe the coach. I, okay, you 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 described you, like, you and I were having dinner the other night, and we Emmanuel, and you were you were telling me about the time you were sitting out on the park bench in the downtown area here in Birmingham, and 
an officer came up and said, keep moving. You can't loiter here. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a public area. It's south side Birmingham. A lot of college kids hanging out. A lot of foot traffic. Yeah. We're sitting down on a public park bench on the sidewalk, and a police officer tells us that we need to that we can't stand still here. We got to keep moving. We got to keep walking around. So it's it's about I guess maybe four or five of us. Um, and I argue with the guy, but I eventually move um, because it's a public park bench. I don't think we're not breaking any laws. Are you actively shooting people? <laughs> not yet. Okay. We were thinking about it. Yes. Um, we're you know pondering. Had you just so robbed the would, store across the street? No, well, we're but just sitting. But here's here's the here's here's my point on heavy sarcasm. To me, racism is then two black guys. Let's say two black guys are sitting on a bench, and the idea is uh, these guys are up to no good because their race is always <laughs> looking to do something uh, mischievous. I need to ask them to move on. Versus. What, and then maybe? what happened was so we're sitting there, so we move on, and after I get through arguing with the cop because I'm trying to figure out. Because I don't even think that a cop has an authority to do that. Like, can you make a private citizen stop sitting down on a public bench they pay for? And so I'm arguing with him about that. So we move on. And then these white guys come and sit on the same bench. And so I go find the officer. And I had to find him. And I was like, hey, look, you know, those white, those white guys are they're sitting on your bench. You know, you better, you better go stop them. We don't want anything dangerous to happen. And, and he just looks at me. He is fuming. And I'm just smiling. And I'm just being just a punk. You know? What did he do? Nothing. Of course. He just walked away because he knew I had him because there was no reason why we couldn't sit there. It's a bench. All right. What? So, but but I, ultimately, I think that kind of fits into that definition. Oh yeah. It's superior, inferior. See, now, now, whether or not you were that's blatant racism. Let's say that you were going to go. Yeah, pick that's a, what we I don't think know of when heart, I think it's, But I, uh, yeah. presumably, that's blatant racism. Is, is it showing preference at least? We can at least yeah. say yeah. that. Now, is prejudice. it if I was going to go? Yeah. If I had to go pick a basketball team. And and I'm I'm the captain of the basketball team. I'm a little scared. No, about I'm just, this, this is this is I'm, this is look. Don't turn into David the Greek. I'm McConnell. I'm saying if I was picking a basketball team, okay, okay, and I've got two equal sized guys standing in front of me that I know nothing about, and one of them's white, and one of them's black, would my mind immediately go to I'd want the black guy on my team because they can play basketball better? Okay, <laughs> many a white guy have made that mistake and picked me. <laughs> And it has not gone well. <laughs> That's funny. I am average. So I had to practice to be average. Is that racist? It, it, no, you, you, because it's, it's I'm stereotype. It's stereotype. Because I'm not. I'm not at that point. Stereotypes are just a shortcut. It's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing. I'm not necessarily at that point. I'm not making a decision on which race is superior. Because I'm going to have to think this guy may be, be better at shooting free throws and three pointers. Like Larry but Bird, can't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know that all of the. I don't know that all of those things. But it's not baseless stereotyping either, though. If no. I'm if I'm going to guess a winner of the Iron shortcut. Bowl, I'm going to assume it's going to be Alabama based on history. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Not but recent now, history. Oh, fair enough. Um, Boom. Well, let, let me steer us back. This is a good discussion. Let me steer us back to the main topic, which is: Is Richard Sherman a monster? <laughs> and, and we'll kind of go around. And I'm just kidding. But let's let's get into the church. Well, I'll tell you what. There's one other thing I, I think is worth saying. You you said something to to us, uh, Emmanuel, several months ago when we were having lunch together about uh, riding around and getting pulled over by police officers. Uh, how, how frequently does that happen to you? Not much anymore. Uh, I don't get pulled over much anymore. I got pulled over a couple of months ago in Vestavia. Uh, guy pulls me over. Won't tell me why. 
I have a Sanford. I went to a school called Sanford University. Had my Sanford tag, so he asked me, "Did you go to Sanford?" Which I have no idea why that matters. Asked my wife, "Did she go to Sanford?" I have no idea why that matters. Why are you in Vestavia? I have no idea why that matters. Are you, really? You were asked, why are you in Vestavia? Yeah, yeah. Why, are you, why are you in Vestavia? Where are you going? I'm like, we're going to the Mexican restaurant right here. And I'm, I was, I'm actually being polite because my wife's in the car. Yeah, yeah. If my wife wasn't in the car, it would have been on. But she was scared. And I wasn't scared. I was upset. And then he says, my tent is too dark. Um, he pulls out his little tent tester, my window tent. As we sit there and watch all these other cars with dark tent just drive on by. <laughs> Um, now, my car doesn't look particularly gangster. It's a 99 Grand Am. It's a sedan, and it has tint. Um, my car also has tint, probably too much. Yeah. I mean, I bought it that way, but I, and, uh, I have not been harassed yet. So yeah, the, the, the paint on Chase's car is black, and I can't tell where his door stops and his yeah, windows. It's got a lot of tint. And, you know, so he's asking all these questions. They have nothing to do with And I'm like, look, dude, just give me a ticket. If you're going to give me a ticket, just give me a ticket. You know, I was like, because all these other questions are irritating me. And he gets upset. And I was like, you can get upset. We can go to court. You know, because I just, that's just how I am. I'm like, let's just call the lawyers. Yeah. Let's see who's right. <laughs> and then he says, you're free to go, uh, but I don't want to catch you around here anymore. What? I mean, really? This is 2014. Yeah. And I hadn't been to Vestavia since. Uh, not that I go there a lot, but I just hadn't been there. Um, just for the, those listening, just you know, because I'm not getting rid of my tent, that is not the you know that's just more of a high uh, high income area of of our city, not the highest, but but one of the more. It's not uh, where Chase is from, but I, like actually, no, Chase, Chase looks down there. there. He, he, Chase goes there to slum. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's awesome. crazy. I do not live in a high income. Chase's area. little Chase's Mountain Brook gang they they look down on the gangs from Vestavia. Also, not yeah. true. Okay, so so speaking of Vestavia, I actually they go did. to Vestavia to do outreach <laughs> to the poor. I'll, I'll tell you a story to kind of transition us into talking. That's very funny. Talking about uh, racism in the church, and it's a Vestavia story. I grew up in Vestavia, uh, just just down from Vestavia Country Club. Then, you, then I moved to Mountain moved Brook. Yes, that's right. So so my, my dad was a lawyer. Uh, blah blah blah. One time in Vestavia, you may want to get and, his card for the next time you're in Vestavia. Exactly. <laughs> um, one time in Vestavia, I was about nine or so. Had a African American friend named Alex over playing with me. My parents, and this was this would have been 1980 or so. Uh, my parents, uh, 1981 maybe. Uh, maybe I was eight, so it would have been 1980. My parents got calls from the neighbors complaining oh. about me playing with a, a black kid in the yard. And that's on you know they told me about that a couple of years later and it blew my mind. I, my view, my hope is we've gotten past some of that. But when I hear a cop say to you, Emmanuel, he pulls you over for no reason. What are you doing here? Don't come around this area again. That makes me think. Well, good heavens! How old was the cop that did that? He was a young guy. He like he was that's maybe insane. in his twenties. I mean, I could see Fresh that out of – you know, I'm stereotyping here. Yeah. I could see that out of an older man or something like that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying I would excuse it, but mm-hmm. – well, well, here's a question. We'll go around reverse direction this time. So David, Nick, and Emmanuel, are we adequately, guys, <laughs> reflecting the gospel in our churches, specifically in the South because that's where we, we're from, uh, in regards to race? Uh, How are we doing there? You know, it's um, – I can – speak from just experience so I, I don't you know broad brush how are we doing you know I, I my immediate answer is not well uh, but again I'm answering from my experience in it um, the church of course begins with us we are 
we are the church, so um, you know, how are we doing? You know, I, th- I think each of us individually look at our own lives and 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 how, how how are we doing when it comes to prejudice? How are we doing when it comes to racism? How how are we doing when it comes to our friends and 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 you know who we choose to be friends with? Culturally, now I'm not a guy who says, oh, you know, you need to go out and find you a friend from each different culture so you can have a like a, oh look, you know, I got a token friend from each you know individual race or something. I'm, I'm not saying that, but are you open to that? Do you only hang with? Do you only make friends and companions with those who are just like you? Um, and then because the the gatherings of the believer. Uh, the gatherings of the believers are going to reflect what is happening personally in your life uh, on a large scale. On, on, the, on the scale of the members of your church, what is happening to them in, in their daily personal walks is going to be reflected when you gather together. And so I think that's why a lot of times you see churches that the gathering of that body tends to look a lot alike. Uh, you know, Not just race, but a lot of times demographically and in terms of age in terms of uh life circumstances you know you you that that's what you tend to see and again we're speaking of the south i have friends who pastor churches in other parts of the country i had a buddy of mine that pastor church in california completely different very multicultural church that that he has because it's a very multi multicultural area um, so uh i i tend to think we're not doing very well i tend to think we're not reflecting the body of Christ very well. And again, I think you could do it wrong. I think you could probably, you know, I think you could probably do it wrong in terms of, um, you know, how, how we want to try to force something. I think Emmanuel and I have had this discussion before, and, you know, I think you've said a lot of times your churches just reflect the area you live in, which is what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I get that, and I agree with that, but at the same point, um, you know, if your church has different nationalities or cultures in it, and your church doesn't reflect that, I think it's worth asking why. So, you, what you said right there at the end was what I was kind of mulling as, as it went on. Is you know, I, th- I think of for me, this comes down to a. It's it's easy to look at the church at large and go look at churches I can think of and go, ah, that church could do better, that church could do better. And then all of a sudden it's the it's the spec plank issue and I go, okay, what about us at the Hall of Dogma Church? What what can we do? What do we need to do, et cetera? And and I and what you what you mentioned about Emmanuel's kind of thought about it is is what I kind of went to is to me I think we pretty accurately reflect our community. Um and so but but that I get I guess where that trips up for me is if our but our community also has it's one of those church on every corner kind of things and and not too far away there's a community that I'm not saying there aren't churches in that community but I know of pla- I know of places that aren't being served the way I think they could be so if if our community's pretty well set why don't we get out of our kind of area a little bit um you know, I, I think through the lens of, of churches again here in the, in the southeastern United States, and and no, I don't. I think we're doing a, a, an atrocious job of representing what the body of Christ should be. Um, I do kind of fall back on um, here in the southeastern United States. The the communities are pretty starkly divided um, uh, on, on racial lines. It seems like, unfortunately, um, you know, in the Hall of Dogma, Chase posted about this kind of coming in and. 
um, one of our members here, uh, she used to live in New York, and, and she said, you know, in, in the North, it was much more um, diversified than it is here. Um, but again, those communities were. And so um, I guess t- to me, I feel like saying, uh, no, we're not diversified, but that's our community, to me feels like a cop-out because there's plenty of people that we can serve not too far away in and our demographics being served just fine. So yeah. that's me. You guys both kind of reflect a comment that Herschel Christ, who I believe is uh, in Virginia, says in the Hall of Dogma, our Facebook group, the Hall of Dogma, which anybody can join. He says, simply put, churches are not doing a good job of – uh, of re- reflecting the gospel. They're not doing enough to combat racism. He says, too many churches have members that look alike. When churches look like the multitude surrounding the throne in Revelation, then we may be doing right. Huh. I, I, I want to do a quick follow-up to what you said, because I know Manuel hasn't went yet, sure. but um, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I tend to think I'm not sure that we're doing a great job reaching in our community that we accurately look and reflect what our community because there's there's a very large hispanic population in and around us and um you know i had had lunch today with a friend of mine who is um who is hispanic and um we were actually talking through some of those issues about how we here at the hall of dogma church do a better job of reaching out those communities and he was telling me about you know, just being at work and having a guy, you know, this is a, this is a guy who, who's, you know, I mean, this is a good guy, but he had someone who walked up to him at, at his work and just said, you know, your kind don't need to be here. You know, you, you don't belong here. And, and, and I'll just, just to be honest, I think that Wait, the guy who's, are you saying the guy who said it is a good guy or? Yeah, the guy who said it is a good guy. I'm sorry. This I would is, say this is a good doesn't guy. sound like a good guy. No, I'm talking, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. The guy who he said it to. <laughs> to okay. My friend, my yes, friend. your friend is, is a good, good guy. guy. Yes. yes. The guy, I don't know anything about the guy, guy. Yeah. Who, who, who said it, to, uh, who said it to him. Um, but that, that's something, good Emmanuel, but that's something that I think we do here. What I see most people do Social media, a lot of times in real life, their um, Hispanic reaction is, "Oh, you're probably here illegally." That's that's a big deal right now. Immigration, and you know, yeah, I wonder if you're here legally or not. That that seems to be our first question a lot of times toward the Hispanic community in the South, around where we are, rather than, "Man, do you know Christ? Do you have a good church home?" Those kinds of things. I think our approach is wrong. Your kind doesn't need to be here. I, look, I don't want to have deserve, my head in the sand. You don't deserve to be here. Yes. That astonishes me that people still talk that way. Which my friend did ask him, said, uh, well, if I, if I could ask you, why, why do you deserve to be here more than I do? And he was like, because I was born here. He's like, so if you were born here, you deserve to be here more. Uh, and he said, yes. And then my my friend pointed out that um, the people who settled America actually came from another country where um, there was a bunch of people already here, <laughs> including those in South America and then the Indians who were already here and actually you know, probably could say we deserve the property more. So see, it's kind of turned it back on him. Inconvenient history. Mm. It, it's, yeah, it's funny how that all works out. I, it's not – that doesn't go without notice for me because I, I – the community that we are actually working to target with them, um, it came to mind. But I think um, – I don't wonder if a typical church like ours, um, even though the distance is not great, don't see that as a vastly different community. 
Um, and, and, you know, there is a city line. You know, it depends. I guess that's the other thing is how do you draw up your your community? Um, because, you know, the Hall of Dogma Church, by God's grace, we actually pull, you know, our members aren't all within five square miles of one another. We kind of pull from a couple of different communities. Um, and uh, the community right where we are, um, there's a couple that are just outside of it. One of them is African-American, one of them is Hispanic. Um, you know, I don't, it depends. It just, I wonder how people see their community versus maybe how it actually is sometimes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I right or wrong. I just. Yeah, that's a good question. All right, over to you, Emmanuel. How are we doing in the church, in the South, in regards to race? It's it's hard to tell. Uh, it's hard to tell here because it's hard to tell why people are, why they're gathering the churches they do. Is it a socioeconomic thing? Because there are some churches that are really, if you look at their um, members, there seems to be a socioeconomic kind of, uh, you know, commonality there. Um, is it stylistic differences why people choose churches? Um, in, in our area, I don't think we hold it anymore. We used to hold the record for most churches per, like, capita. Yeah. Like, I mean, literally, if I step out on my front porch, um, there are two large churches, and I say large, I mean, like, 4,000-member churches that are less than a block away from me, less than a block away. If I just say one block radius, there are literally 15, 20 churches within a one block radius. Holy cow. If I say two blocks, it's there's probably 50, 60 churches. I mean, we, there's churches across the street from churches where I, where I, yeah. in my neighborhood. And so... You know, people are always darting in and out of different places, and so it's hard to tell if it's, if you know, if the demographics are what they are because of just there's so many different factors. Um, what I will say is that there's a reason why churches attract who they attract, and I don't really begrudge anybody for going to what church they go to. Um, it's just a matter of, is that church uh, open to other people going there? Uh, so, for instance, there was a church. My family had moved to this area, which was a nice area. Um, we were in apartments, by the way, so we were not supposed to be there. <laughs> we snuck in through the apartment loophole that all these minorities get. You know, that's how we get into your school systems. You know, <laughs> apartments, which that area started getting rid of. But anyway. And so my mom's like, well, let's go to this church because it's close. Let's walk. And this is, I was in high school then. I was like, Ma, we do not belong at that church. They don't even want us in there. She's like, no, it's church. Let's go. So we walked to this large, well-known church. Nobody spoke to us. This is a big church. We had our own pew at this church. (laughs) Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like we had a whole row to ourselves. Nobody spoke to us the whole time we were there except for the pastor. We're on our way out. Now we want the only minority. Did he ask you what you were doing there or anything no, terrible he just like said, that? Hey, thanks for coming. You know? Okay, well that's good. And he's and he's a well known person. But and I thought most of it was just we're poor people. We just look mm-hmm. poor. We came, you know, we didn't have the nice clothes. We, we, you know, we just looked like we didn't belong there. And people treated us such because there's, you know, there were black people who go to that church, or they just might have enough money where they're not considered black anymore, or, or, but we just. 
it's just not a good experience. And you can tell nobody wants you here. Ah, oh, that's frustrating. Even to the me. greeters didn't speak to us. Like that's, you had one job. <laughs> one thing you had to do. You know. All right, and I know people listening to this. You might be thinking, okay, we can dismiss this. This happened in one place. It happened in the South. Something like that. But especially white people listening to this, I think it's worth considering. Uh, and looking at that kind of thing with with eyes op- wide open and asking the question which we're about to deal with, uh, how can we do better? And, and that's something at the Hall of Dogma Church. We're, we have uh, we have African Americans that go here. We have Hispanics that go here. But quite frankly, not very many. Not enough. I, and I, I, we don't have kind of a a goal a golden ratio we're looking for. But at the same time, I'm totally with what Herschel said. We want to be reflective of the community that's around the throne of Jesus in Revelation, which is every tribe, tongue, nation, and not so segregated. And, and that's not for political correct purposes. That's because that's what the body of Christ looks like. And and I think we're weaker when we're so homogeneous. It just just weakens us. So my question, and I guess we'll start with David and and go around again, uh, and we'll have to probably tighten this up a little bit time-wise, guys. How can we do better? And how would you exhort our listeners to do better? Because a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders listen to this. How can we do better? All right. um, I had... Four thoughts, try to be quick on them. Number one, love your community. Love your community. Love the people in it. Um, I think a red flag for me is when I see a church that has been in a community for a long-standing time um, up and move. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times you may see an area that was once, you know, whatever, whatever terms you want to put on it, more prosperous, and you start seeing that neighborhood have more... Um, issues, and and you see a church up and move to either a more affluent area or out um, out and away from um, some of those difficulties that the city's facing. And that's just a red flag for me. I'm not saying that every church that does that, it's a, it's a sin or it's wrong. Uh, I don't want to be the Holy Spirit, but uh, you know, for a group, but that's just something that I look at and go, ah, are you doing this for the right reasons? I think churches should be an answer to problems in the community. They should love the community, and that sometimes means you stick it out with your community, and and you keep going, and you be a light in that community. Number two, embrace and love other cultures. It, you know, it's uh, there. There are. It's it's wonderful to get to know other people and what their cultures are about. Be interested in that. Uh, our differences and how we view the world and our differences and how we've grown up and our differences in what we love doesn't have to be things that separate us. It can be things that we embrace. So number three, don't be so easily offended. I, I think it's okay for us to not only celebrate our differences but laugh about them and make jokes about them and not be so afraid to – you know, not be so easily offended, um, because I think sometimes you see that between cultures is is kind of easy easy offense. Almost like one race is just waiting for the other race to insult them somehow yeah. or say something wrong to them, and that happens on, on 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 all accounts. So don't be so easily offended. And our primary race essentially is we're Christians. We're first and yes. foremost bought with the blood of the Lamb, and that means we have a command 
to forgive each other. Yes. And, and to overlook things that normally might be offensive, that might have been said wrongly. We still have a command to forgive each other. And, and that is where I was going with the last comment is want the kingdom of God. Like, want to be a part of that. Jesus said, pray for the kingdom of God. And within Christ, there is no Jew or Greek. So there is no race. It is I'm not saying that it's, you're not, that everyone's going to look the same because you get to Revelation chapter 7. And it's and it is it's written. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Okay, so it's not everybody's going to look the same, but in Christ we're all equal. We are all equal, but God is about the purpose and the business of making His church from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So. It should your the church should reflect that the best it can that that we are yes agreeing with that and yes we want that to see him be glorified by every culture every race and we should want to be a part of that. Um, thank you, David. Um, everything he said. No, I. David's always very eloquent and stuff like this. And I love following up, following him up. Um, I guess mine's probably just succinctly a continuation of, of what I was thinking thinking before is um, as, as the body of Christ, what we can do is, is um, be aware of our surroundings. And um, there may be churches that, that this comes easy. It's, it's natural. Um, I, I think of, again, churches near us. And, um, you know, if your membership role is just fine and so are the other five churches within a block of you um, – you know, maybe don't do your your big Easter egg bash or your or your big um, back to summer pool party um, in the neighborhood clubhouse. But maybe you know, drive five miles um, down down the road where you know you kind of make sure you lock your doors when you drive through it, um, or you know the place where um, you don't know how to communicate with people there, find somebody who does and go, go to them. Um, cause there's plenty of places that, um, <laughs> churches abandoned five or 10 years ago around us. Um, what David was talking about, about churches moving out of communities hits, hits home with me a lot. There's a neighborhood, um, just down the road from us, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes that the church I went to, um, whenever I was growing up, you know, they kind of, um, as the church was, Beginning to wane a little bit, not not significantly, but it seemed like an organized church split to um, a nicer area of town, and that still pains me to this day because um, that community has since um, declined economically, um, and 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 I just don't see. I see a lot of ch- churches, um, but no thriving churches um, that seem to be able to um, minister to the community the way those larger congregations that vacated it were able to at the time and that and that saddens me um i see a lot of i see a few really big churches and i see a lot of smaller churches and so i think the other thing is um churches are gonna have to stop being so stinking territorial and and work with one another um and i and i think we can we can do some pretty impressive things if we stop it stops having to be our show and we can kind of work together Hmm. so Good. Over to you, Emmanuel. Uh, I think the first thing is realize that it's going to be messy. Hmm. Um, it is once you start, you know, not being so homogenous, it it upsets the apple cart. It, it's it's messy. 
people's feelings are going to get hurt. People are going to get misunderstood. Um, <laughs> I remember I was teaching this, a Sunday school class, and this was a, a large, uh, predominantly white church. And I was teaching uh, the high school Sunday school class, and I was talking about um, this guy I know who was a murderer. And, like, I looked up, and all the kids were just staring at me because they were like, you know a murderer? And I was like, everybody who I'm from knows murderers. You know, most black people who grew up in the inner city know murderers. And they were just, I didn't realize, like, I didn't realize what I was talking to. And they were just, like, shocked. Hmm. They were like, you know. And they started, and there was some other, some, there was a couple other um, um, uh black kids in the group because our church had an inner city program uh before they shut it down and uh and they were like yeah he's right he's right and the kids were just because you because you're coming from a very different frame of reference for life for everything yeah you know it's just and it's just different it's going to take time to for everybody to realize uh what what to expect what the cultural norms are um and like uh like they were saying about being easily offended, you're going to have to get thick skin because you're just going to step yeah. on each other's toes. Um, I'd say the other thing is address the issue biblically. Just talk, just preach the gospel, preach what the Bible says about race, preach what the Bible says about loving your neighbors. Um, be hospitable to people who aren't like you. Um, a couple of shows ago, y'all did a thing about how friendly is your church or something. <laughs> yeah. right? And I always say like, if you have to, Unless you're a large church, because large church, I understand, hire, ha, you know, having designated greeters. But if you're a small church and you have designated greeters, then your church isn't friendly. You know, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, because so, that's more sanitized. It's more uh, institutional than it is uh, yeah. just genuine. Yeah. Now, a large church, you don't have to get lost in the crowd. It's so big that people don't realize who the members are, much less visitors. But a small church, like you, shouldn't have to hire visitors. People should just be naturally friendly. And I say that it's a big should. Um, but ask yourself, is your church a welcoming church? Um, and here, here's, here's one. Uh, hiring practices. If you really want to really rock the boat, uh, fire your pastor and hire a pastor who's a minority and see who, how many people stay. And that's, and that's how you know how to hey, how Nick, open write, diversity. Write that down. So, so sorry, David <laughs> and Chase. I don't know. You just well, said the. You, I assume you're talking about the the lead guy, the oh, the, the yeah. main, the Mountain Brook dude. I mean the the, yeah. the lead. <laughs> I I do think that's accurate. No. I do not think you will have. Oh a wait, but I wouldn't get the job if it's a minority. Truly multi. This is not going to work into my plan to take over. <laughs> no, <but laughs> so you adopted as somebody who's from, not from here, though. So. You just said that publicly, yeah. not thought it. Uh, you actually said that out loud. That was out loud. Yeah. We got it no, on tape. by takeover, I meant support you wholeheartedly. I, 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 I see where it's, where it's going. <laughs> but seriously, at point at, <laughs> but seriously uh, I, John Piper talks about that, you know, that they, um, at one point, they realized that they were, they were too white, which I don't necessarily buy that there's a such thing, but I guess he thought that. And so they made a point to hire, uh, hire uh, minority pastors. Or, yeah, or minority yeah, he talks elder, about that. Have minority elders. Yeah. So that their leadership reflected their congregation. Um, I don't know if you necessarily have to go that far just because I believe that people are called to certain churches. Um, there was a conference, and I won't, I won't mention the name of the conference, but it came to Birmingham a couple of 
I guess it was last year. It's my last year in seminary, and uh, and it was some fairly prominent reformed chaps, <laughs> and their whole, their whole point was your church is too white, you know, without even having you know met you or went to your church. Um, if you live was in this Wyoming, engaged the South, I, I will not say the name. Because I'm trying to be loving and not call out people for it was a good conference for a stupid conference. No, it was horrible. I didn't go, and I'm glad I didn't. But the, but I heard somebody who had they had recorded some of it, and I was like, y'all sat through this. But it was basically a, a, a what I got. Look, it was a I got a guilt trip. It was only oh, well, it may be a different. And one. so you've got I got to issue. see Chandler in the same room. Okay, I was fanboying a minute. So just yeah, calm down. I don't like I don't like fake diversity. Yeah, I don't yeah. like so diversity for diversity's sake. You think that's not genuine? I think churches should be who they are for the most part. So okay. if, you, if you worship, if that's your worship style. Do your worship style. If you live in oh, Wyoming and you, and you cannot find enough black people to go to your church, <laughs> I understand. You live in Wyoming. You know it, it's <laughs> you know just people kind of take that too far. Well, um, but, well, you know, I don't like diversity for diversity's sake, but at the same time, I think you have to be a congregation who is open to diversity, and that shows by the members because that's what's that's because when the members and the minister are going to determine, um, I, you know, how diverse your church is. I but, went to but, a church that was diverse, and then the pastor changed, and then it went from a church that was opening to open to everyone to a church that had a lot of racists in it to the point where. People didn't want me to teach white children in Sunday school, and mm-hmm. but that church used to be super friendly. But the past, and I'm not even saying it was the pastor's fault per se, but there was something to change when that pastor came. When and the came. kind of people that that gravitated gravitated toward him were like that. He just brought in rednecks, and <laughs> I won't say what state he's from. Well, why, why not though? <laughs> I, let me let me ask this: why, why not? If you think diversity, which if you think diversity is beneficial, which I do. I do as well. Then why not work toward it if it's possible? I'm not saying you go. I'm not saying you go bust people in from. I'm okay with from two hours away. It's, it's but, how you do it. Like I don't. But why not do it? Why not? Why not work toward diversity for diversity's sake? If you feel like diversity is ultimately beneficial, because it, to the church and to the people, I don't think fake diversity is is. Is real diversity? What would fake diversity look like? Just to have aiming for percentages. Okay, so for like percentages. Um, hey, we're going to bring in a tambourine for the black crowd. <laughs> oh my! Uh, I don't know. Do it, black people like tambourines? I, I didn't know that. I don't know. Um, look, Emmanuel, just, Emmanuel, white Pentecostals like tambourines. Emmanuel, man, they will bang the heck out of those things. Why can't oh, not talk about like black people though? Okay. Emmanuel just yeah. wants hymns and and no music. So and short preaching. It's, yeah. So here's all of which I cannot find in in certain churches. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why today. Which is why uh, uh, he's not. Is why he's only a. Uh, what do we call you? A, a part time part time member of the Hall of Dogma Church. Yeah. Church. Not full time. Well, we're working on it. But I, I think like here's the thing. Nobody when we let him to, preach, nobody likes it. to be a token and nobody likes to be a project. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with so, that. I agree with that. So how can we? How can we do it without? How can we be more? I don't know. I, it's. I, I think you have the, to know. Best, You're our expert. I think the best <laughs> totally way kidding. is to. Like, Speaking for, of token, right? Yeah, when, when I was at uh, at Sanford or even at Beeson, like I used to make fun of them because they'd always have like the token people on all their brochures and stuff. I was never one because I wasn't clean cut enough. But like, see the same like this brochure, and you got the Asian guy in it, and you got the clean cut black guy. Uh, 
You've not got the, kind of an epic beard going. Not the homeless-looking black guy like me. I got think like, it looks very got studious. The, and you've got the Australian guy, although nobody can tell he's Australian. But, <laughs> but you've got all these people in this picture to show, like, look, we're diverse. I'm like, if you've got to show off your diversity, yeah, it's not saying that you're not diverse. It just lets me know that you don't really mean it. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a notch in the belt for you. I would agree with that. But I, I, but I, I think most of it is just be friendly to other, have I people... Do. When I was in a in London, I was shadowing a couple of ministries because they in London a lot of the ministries are multicultural because London is a, just a super multicultural city it's to the point where people they don't even so you ask a London pastor like how'd you get so culturally diverse and he's like what do you mean yeah yeah he's like I'm just you know they don't know they just doing church but one guy he said something that stuck with me he said look in your phone and see who the last ten people you contacted were. Or any of them minorities, and that'll let you know how diverse a, a person you are. You know, and <laughs> if, if, so if hey. everybody in your church and they look in their phone, the last ten people they've contacted, ten separate people. Not I mean, you know, if you've got a wife that calls you ten times, she doesn't count as ten times. But okay. He said, if, if everybody in your church is like that, and nobody in their in their friendship circle is diverse, then you're probably not going to have a diverse church. People um, from Vestavia Hills doesn't count as minorities. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, <laughs> they do in our area, but not. <laughs> oh well, I'm just I'm just making sure he understands. That. We're trying. To, I, I just think though that oh, I'm sorry. I didn't talk. I was just going to say. I, I just I think that it's not. You know, I, I think I think higher. You know, saying uh, we want we want more. Uh, we want to represent more our area and. You know, we want to be more diverse, so we we hire someone in leadership like Piper was talking about, who is of minority. I, I don't, I just don't think that's fake. I don't, I don't know. I have a hard time that's thinking fake. that's fake. I'm just I, talking about, I don't like targeting a, a specific group. Like, I don't say targeting this because there's a big difference between outreach and trying to get like we need to get diverse so let's go yeah and, yeah i know what you're saying the bible find some hispanic people and some black people the bible doesn't command us to be diverse people. but at the yeah, same time I mean, like here how we many are people who who are in the corinthian church weren't corinthian I yeah mean, I mean, we don't you know, know. What I'm like i mean yeah. I, and there were different races and mixture but like we don't know how diverse those churches were um hmm. some of them obviously were diverse but but again but, it's it's beneficial i'm not i'm saying because the bible doesn't command us to that but one of the reasons that we have the race issues that we have is because it goes from one generation to another generation to another generation and even if you're not racist you you maybe don't grow up around like where your parents was were purposefully trying to you know make friends with people from different ethnicities and cultures. And so you don't do that. And it just keeps going. But it's and, hard to and, tell why a church is, for instance, um, there are not many black people in the national hockey league. That's not racism. It's just that black people don't like cold weather. <laughs> don't usually play hockey. I think there's like two guys. There are a couple. Yeah. It's not that the people are keeping black people out. It's just, you know, so if so, if they want to go get more diverse, they're going to have to like train some people to like skate and stuff. A baseball is having that problem as well. There, there are less yeah. and less African Americans in baseball, and it's not. A, and I and baseball is the only sport I'm good at naturally. Hmm. And it's not that it's a race issue. It's just the fact that uh, it's a hard sport to play. You got to wait a long time to get your money, and it's easier to play basket. Basketball is an easier sport to play. It's easier to get to the NBA. It's than it is baseball in a sense. 
because uh, baseball is hard. Baseball is hard, and you got to go through the farm system, and, and and you may be in that for three or four years. Like brother, trying to get paid, you know. <laughs> NFL three years, basketball one year, and before that, you know, trying to do college farm system, yeah. It, so it's just not attractive. It's just not an attractive sport to black people. Same thing with NASCAR. Yeah. It's not that, you know, black people don't like driving fast. It's just we don't think well, it's a profession. So what I hear you saying, Emmanuel, is we can't we don't the church doesn't need to do this as a project to hit exactly. some sort of goal. And what I hear you saying, David, is maybe along the lines of this. In a in a culture where we're kind of uh, the South is known for its racism, if we want to war against that, we don't need to stay segregated. Yes. Okay, and I can you, you, kind of agree with that. You have to do something. If you know there is prejudice tendencies in you, and it's not it's not just enough to say, oh, I'm not prejudiced. I, again, you've got to test yourself on that. And if you know they're there, you know they're in your church, you know that there's a barrier, you've got to war against it, you've got to work against it, and I don't think it's being fake yeah. or looking for token people but how, to, you can to do war it against in a fake way. You can yeah. do it in a fake and, way. Yeah, I mean, how did I get to be a part-time member of we met doing a ministry thing, yeah. and you know we kind of hit it off. And then you said, "Hey, you want to come preach?" And we went and preached together. You know, and we've been friends. And yeah. but you didn't say we didn't hey. force it. Yeah. We, it wasn't forced. Yeah. Hey, I just feel like our church is just too white. <laughs> And it would be awesome if you would come and, and, no. and black. You actually were staying in the room across black from me. Up our church for us. You actually stayed in the room that's across good, from me, and we bonded title. over love for the Old Testament. So that's that's exactly. how the whole thing started. Oh, the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what scares me to death, and, and it, what you guys are saying. I'm. I love the conversation. I, I love the discussion. It's not even a debate. I love. I love the two sides of the discussion. But what scares me to death is at the Hall of Dogma Church. We are predominantly a white congregation because you live in a predominantly white area. With predominantly black and pl- predominantly Hispanic communities right next door, yeah. close, and, very close, cl- very closer, close. closer very close. to the church than I, I live. Yeah, and 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 let's say one of them were to wander into the church, and because of the deep rooted, not even racism issues, but just that uncertainty about the other races that exist in our area, I'm afraid they would walk in. It could be the right style of music for them, the right style of teaching for them they could be reformed but you know what whatever and i'm afraid of a discomfort they would feel because because of the the quote-unquote lack of diversity or what, however we want to picture that and that's what scares yeah, me but you and that's can't fix that you can't make look i spend my life i mean I, I minister in white places most of the time i'm in i am in suburban white churches more than i i'm you know matter of fact i just got my first invitation to, to speak at a black church like last week, never been asked, and so and so I'm used to being, and, and I'm not from the suburb, and I'm not white, but that's where I do ministry. It's always I'm always the only one where I am, just about. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? But and but, it's just like, look, if you're an adult and you feel uncomfortable because you're different, get over it, <laughs> grow up. You know, every you're not going to be immediately comfortable in every situation. Yeah. Now, the, the counterpart to that is, if you're friendly, people will feel welcome. They may feel uncomfortable, but they will feel welcome if you're genuinely friendly. And you guys have genuinely friendly people here. Um, I've always felt welcomed here. Um, and so I think that's the, that's the thing is are you friendly? Are you hospitable? Or do people feel like they're outsiders? And, you know, I think that's what, that's what breaks They can be the barrier. different one, but if you're, if you're friendly, they'll know it. 
I think inviting people is is a key here as well. I mean, you might assume minorities wouldn't want to come to our our church, but uh, guys, we have a, a situation here where we did an outreach with uh, free spaghetti. We didn't do it great. We didn't put a ton of effort or time into it. But uh, one of the couples, a Hispanic couple, started to come to uh, the Hall of Dogma Church, and now they're hosting uh, one of our key gospel communities in their house. And that's just in a few months' time. Yeah. Now you would think they're 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 not particularly close. I don't know four or five miles away. They're not our demographic. Um, they're not like the people here, but they've just kind of plugged in because, very simply, we invited them. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta either know people to invite them or be around people in some way yeah. to invite them. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what I was going by saying. Your own life earlier. is multicultural. Then obviously your ministry exactly. probably won't be exactly. multicultural. And and there are that's where I think people need to test themselves and, and, and you are around people of different races, no doubt in your work day and, and in different places with ball field or wherever, who do you look to try to make friends with? Who do you look to try to connect with? And do you, you know, pigeonhole it into just people who are like you and, and, and your children are going to do that. And it may be your great grandchildren end up doing that as it rolls on through you know generation generation. Yeah, I, I just think that's yeah. And you have to, like I said, push through those difficulties. Um, if you're with uh, meet somebody and they don't know what a USB is, <laughs> you know, look past as that. he brings it back around. Be as that he, friend anyway. Be that's a friend. Right. Hey, Max we're gonna. Well, let, let me so say we one have more a, comment, uh, and then I'm gonna have to step out. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, because well, I I noticed that Dan posted in, in the Hall of Dogma on this issue a lot of good contributions from Chris Atwood, uh, Lee Trowbridge. Uh, Lisa Tucker, um, some others. Join the conversation. We might even have a follow-up on this next week because I noticed that Dan Richardson, our friend from Australia, suggested that we all read Bloodlines by John Piper. And he said this, and this really caught me. He said, I was saved out of the racialist skinhead movement. So our friend Dan used to be a skinhead, and he says, God used Piper's book to smash my heart. And even years after, I'm so thankful for his grace in giving us such solid teachers. I would love to somehow have Dan on the show in the next couple of weeks to talk a little bit about that, because if there's a way for us to do that, that would be fantastic. Well, we'll look to Nick, um, unless y'all want me to try to figure it out. The tech guru. You scored four points. Yeah, I think this half the table will handle it. I think if we could... Get the right USB. And he won on a question about ROM. a flower, not the technical question. Well, hey guys, I got to back out. We had, we actually have a meeting here at the Hall of Dogma Church. I got to go lead. Emmanuel, thanks for joining us, guys. I've loved the conversation as always. See y'all next week. We'll see you later, Mountain Brook. Uh, r- real quick, we do have a uh, so we have a, a blog. Um, it's the EquippingCenter dot org. Is that correct, Nick? I think it's equippingcenter.org. Okay, so we're, we're yeah, it's just equipping. <laughs> so we have a blog, not equipping, and uh, we're not in the late nineties. I'm sorry, <laughs> equipping. Yeah, not so equippingcenter.org, and yep. it's just a it's a blog that that we have um, for the uh, Hall of Dogma Church, and and we post articles out there from time to time and resources, and it's not a uh, um, if you go out there you'll see it's it's not right now we're not posting out there. You know, daily or weekly, but we we post things when we when we see uh, them as beneficial. We actually have a there, there's an, I'm going to post out there this week uh, and try to have it up um, 
by the time this podcast hits, if possible. But just a, a, an article written actually by the general, uh, whose line is it anyway, what the Bible teaches about race and ethnicity. And so um, we're going to, uh, Emmanuel's given us permission to put that out there, and uh, I think it'll Thank be you, beneficial. Would would love for you to go and, and uh, read that and uh, be a little further dialogue from the show and then send us some comments or feedback that you have after reading uh, that link uh, and we'll try to put it out on the Twitter as well but equippingcenter.org we'll have it out there this week yeah my last thing um, we will we'll pick back up in the Hall of Dogma um, more in the Hall Monitor segment. Really glad um, to have had the discussion we had. Um, did want to just kind of um, touch on a couple of good discussions happening. Um, one um, one of the brothers from the Hall of Dogma Church, Craig Hugert, um, put a post in there talking about a root of bitterness and, and how we see that. Um, love, to people, love for people to go in there and kind of discuss that. That would be a good discussion. Um, but Jeanette, um, and I think in there she's Jeanette and Eric Acock, um, put a prayer request in there. So if, if everybody will be mindful of that, kind of go notice that um, and just join them in, in prayer and support. And um, a, a praise report I want to highlight, um, thank the Lord for um, brother in there, Jacob Hatcher. Um, we've been praying for his son, and his son went home yeah. um, from the hospital. Praise God for that. That was awesome. Absolutely. They're awesome asking for see. continued prayer. There's there's still some things they're, they're monitoring, but it's a monitoring phase. It's that those kind of dark, worrisome days are over, praise the Lord. And so um, glory to God for that. So just wanted yeah. to kind of touch on those real quick. Great stuff in there this week. I enjoyed, uh, too, James McSorley put, out, put in the uh, hall asking just for people testimony like what yep. what what uh, what's your testimony coming to know Christ and so a lot of great stories and, and uh, being shared um, and some uh, uh, you know in, in the hall and also uh, I think it was uh, some good discussions on gravy apparently <laughs> out there we'll let, as well. we'll let that one go all right well Emmanuel it was good to have you join us yeah, thank you general it's as uh, always and I'm sure we will be seeing you again soon uh, Nicholas. Good to have you here. Appreciate you being able to join us. Well, you know, I'll do it again. Chase? He's had he's headed to Mountain Brook. Wow. All right. You're never going to let him let that down, are you? We'll see you on the uh, flip side, known as 28. Right? Probably. Hopefully. Lord willing. Manuel, you want to say something witty to end us? Since we usually just nosedive the plane into the ground? Um. USB stands for Universal Serial Bus. Good night. Face and peace. Dude, I lost four pounds during Thanksgiving weekend. You did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
I wasn't eating. He was fasting. I wasn't trying to lose weight. I just noticed this morning. I was like, crap. Are you ready? I am ready. Are you? I'm, I'm waiting for the goodness to come. You're waiting for the goodness? Chase, you ready? I think so. Chase does not look settled. I'll, I'll be all right. <clears throat> Brought <Whoa>! to <laughs> This is Nick Jenkins, the latest man. <laughs> Coming to you live <coughs> at Hold Up Dogma. Mm. We haven't had an after show in a while. <laughs> Listen up, all you lucky ladies out there in Loverland. <laughs> actually, that would, Loverland, be, that would like actually that. be the Loverland. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to not look at anybody to start the show. All right. We're good. Let's go.